0: All mm-hmm. right.
1: is The Big Show with Gordon Monson and Jake Scott. Presented by Big O Tires. Stop by your locally owned Big O Tires for no credit needed financing and the best prices on winter tires. Big O Tires, the team you trust. This is 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
2: Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, welcome on back. Want to remind you about our title sponsor. Big thanks to them. Big O Tires, winter tires starting at only forty nine ninety five. Only at Big O Tires with no credit needed financing available. Big O Tires, the team you trust. Jumping out to the zone phone, joining us now, former BYU quarterback. He joins us every Monday. He is Tanner Mangum. What's going on, Tanner? What's up, guys? How we doing? Hey, we are we are doing terrifically well. We have a lot to get to uh, with you today. But let's start off with uh, your impressions of the game against North Alabama. It certainly wasn't competitive. We didn't expect it to be. But regardless of that, how did you think the Cougs played?
1: I mean, it reminded me a lot of the 2015 game against Wagner, where at just every position, North Alabama was simply outmatched. And that's kind of what we expected going into it. We knew it wouldn't be close. But again, you have to give props to BYU for obliterating them the way that they should have, just to show that they are the superior team. They didn't play down to their level at all and uh, went in there and, and took care of business. I thought Zach was uh, was efficient, uh, only played one half, but that's all he needed to. Needed to. Um, and I, you can just kind of look at it in a, in a way as an extra practice, an extra tune-up uh, to, uh, to to their games in, in, in the near future. But um you know, overall, nothing nothing too too noteworthy or newsworthy, but went in there and took care of business, so you can't ask for much more than that.
0: Tanner, of all the things you're seeing out of BYU this year, what stands out to you as being most impressive?
1: I mean, there's it's, it's multiple things. I, I would say, one, it's the offensive offensive efficiency, and two, it's the defensive uh, dominance. Um, I think... Coming into the season, the defense was a big question mark for me, but they've really displayed a, a level of dominance that, uh, that that we haven't seen from a BYU defense in a while. And and some might say that they might be uh, tested more had, had they had a tougher strength of schedule. But that being said, this, this is a pretty veteran crew. A lot of returning starters, even guys that I played with back you know a few years ago, who are who are now seniors. Uh, they they just look like they're more experienced, um, less less mental mistakes, less blown coverages. Um, you know, really have been uh, fundamentally sound. I think the defensive line has been uh, spectacular. I think that the secondary has been has improved. Uh, that's always been a weakness in BYU defenses, but I think this year they've they've done a, a really good job. I think Kalani and Elijah Tuiaki together have kind of fi- found their their groove. Uh, when it comes to play calling, mixing things up, mixing up different coverages, different blitz packages, and I think it's uh, it's paying off for the defense. Now, going to the offensive side of the ball, I, I said efficiency. I mean, the way they've been able to balance between uh, the run and the pass, finding success in both aspects has been, has been huge. The offensive line has been incredible. Uh, Zach has hardly been touched, I feel like, all year long, and the receivers are making plays. So it's um, it's I think oh, they're firing in all cylinders right now, and um, it's good to see for Cougar fans just because it hasn't been that way in years past. So to have this type of efficiency on the offense and dominance on the defense is is great to see.
2: The controversy today involving BYU, of course, uh, possibly scheduling Washington. Bruce Feldman had a tweet about it uh, reporting last night that BYU was waiting uh, until uh, Tuesday and the playoff rankings were released. Um, Tom Homo released a statement this morning indicating it's probably a little more nuanced and there are several reasons possibly. There's a rumor now about uh, the BYU-San Diego State game being moved to this week. Uh, That's coming out of San Diego. Let me just put it simply, Tanner. Is BYU in Washington?
1: <laughs> That's a, that you're putting it straight. I, I, I don't know the details, but from what I'm seeing, from what I'm reading, and the research I've tried to do, is that it is nuanced. There's, there's, there are certain stipulations that Washington is putting out there that is putting BYU in a tough spot. Uh, I think particularly making them commit uh, while giving the caveat that Washington might back out if a Pac-12 opponent becomes available. So in a way, Washington doesn't want to guarantee the game, and so they're not committing, but then they're getting mad at BYU for not committing, and so there's kind of some irony there. So I, I just think both sides need to be able to find an agreement that benefits both teams. I think it would be amazing if, if BYU and Washington could make it work, but I wouldn't want BYU to commit the money, the, the – uh, the resources, everything that goes into a game, just, just to have it then taken away from them at the last second. Um, but but if, if if it can work, I think it would be good be good for both teams. And I think what's frustrating too is that the back twelve maybe isn't honoring their initial commitment uh, from the beginning of the year when they were initially on the schedule, and now that they're playing games, it would be nice if they could just you know find a way to schedule it. And similar to to what Boise State did, they were scheduled. Then they had to postpone. But then once they started playing, they made it uh, made it happen. And so it, I think it would be great for BYU, help their strength the schedule. Also, would give Pac-12 games. I think um, you know there's an argument going around about you know who needs this game more. I think both teams need it. And I think at the end of the day, um, uh, both teams would benefit from having this matchup.
0: Tanner, you gave us a rundown earlier on all the different areas of BYU football that seem to be prospering right now. Uh, talk to us about how, how how nice is it for a quarterback to have an offensive line like Zach Wilson is enjoying uh, playing behind uh, this season? I mean, that must you keep talking about how much confidence he's playing with right now? I mean, that's got to that's got to boost him in a
1: big way. Oh, 100%. I, it's invaluable. I mean, Brady Christensen right now is is uh, rated by Power Football Focus, which, you know, it, it has its own flaws uh, in, its, in its rating. But he, even then, it, it has him rated as the, the number one tackle in the country and then almost the highest rating ever that they've given on a player. I mean, he's just playing, in, in a way, perfect football, executing – uh, all of his assignments, and, and, uh, and really protecting Zach back there. And, and across the board, the whole line is giving Zach all kinds of time. He's rarely rushed. He's rarely pressured, rarely hurried, hurried or knocked down. And, and then in the run game, uh, the holes are open. The running game is working. And so the combination of good protection and a working running game is huge for a quarterback's confidence. If, if you have a defense – that's pitting their ears back and creating pressure anytime they want and limiting the, the, the number of seconds that you have to process and make your reads downfield, it's, it's so difficult and so tough to, to manage. But when you have time to sit back in the pocket, to let things develop, to let guys get open, you just you, you, you feel so much more confident, so much more at ease, and you can just kind of let the game come to you as opposed to feeling like you have to force it. There's nothing worse than a press, that a team that's creating pressure and also covering guys downfield, and you feel like you have nothing open, nothing to work with. That's that's tough as a quarterback, and you're seeing Zach just just have um, have all kinds of time, and and it's great to see the development of this line. Uh, i I mentioned it before, but I mean these many of these linemen I played with back in 2018, and I hear they are veterans, just bigger, stronger, smarter, overall better scheme, and and just. Um, you, you can see it's 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 uh it's mutually beneficial for the for the run game, for the pass game, everyone's benefiting from it, and um, and I, I think Zach is definitely appreciative and grateful for all the time that he's getting back there.
2: Tanner, I'm not sure uh, if you sat down or stayed up late enough to watch that Utah game, but if you did, I'd be curious to your take uh, what you saw from the quarterback position from the Utes this
1: weekend. It was not uh, uh, how do I put this not what Utah fans are were expecting or hoping for when they got these two transfers from uh Cam Rising and Jake Bentley both from big time programs Texas uh South Carolina SEC Jake Bentley tons of experience but um it just it is it looks sloppy and, and to be and I think to be frank as is not only just not only has to do with the with their play but the overall scheme I don't think it um uh, it's just I don't know if it puts the puts their players in the best positions to succeed. I mean the team has talent. I mean Utah always has talent. They they recruit well. They get good players, but can they put the scheme and the system in place to allow these players to 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 uh, to really succeed? And I, I didn't see it. I know it's the first game of of their season. I think they showed a little bit of rust and just. Trying to get things to click, trying to find their rhythm. Obviously, USC has this is the, this was their third game, so they have a little bit uh, of more experience under their belt, able to work out some of those kinks. Whereas Utah was just just finally getting uh, putting a product out there on the field for the first time. But I'll be interested to see how they adjust and how they um, how they move forward because what I saw from Cam Rising, granted, while it was a small sample size, didn't necessarily. Um, uh, blow me away and same with Jake Bentley I, I thought there was a lot um, I guess left a lot out there for the imagination just, just wanted, to, wanted to see a little bit more um, but they, they got to get things figured out but I think more than that it was the defense that I was wasn't as impressed with typically Utah is dominant on defense that's what they're known for and while they did have a defensive touchdown which, which I did tweet about gives me PTSD to this day watching Utah score defensive touchdowns Overall, they just weren't quite as dominant. Um, And I know the offense, Utah's offense, did give USC some short fields, but it wasn't a typical, uh, overpowering, pressure creating defense that Utah uh, traditionally has.
0: When you think, Tanner, about the age of the players who were on the field with Utah having so many freshmen and sophomores playing in that game how much progress can will these sort be expected for these players to make as they grow into their roles a little bit
1: oh they'll absolutely grow and that, I think that's one of the, one of the reasons why they didn't have that type of rhythm they didn't have that uh, that type of uh, chemistry Still a lot of yeah to your point a lot of these guys are young uh, they lost a lot of key players from last year and now uh, the new guys are having to step up and fill in those roles and and, uh, and and they'll, they'll get up to speed, and programs go go through this. They go through lulls in, in the recruiting process where you, you have a lot of an influx of of young players, or you have uh, one year you have a lot of upperclassmen, and then they all go they all graduate, and you have to you have to refill. And I, I think this might be one of those years for Utah, where they got to get these young young underclassmen up to speed. Um, obviously, very talented but uh, need, need to find that rhythm and find that chemistry to really uh, to be as successful as they want to be.
2: Last thing for me, Tanner, a non-sports-related uh, question, but with Thanksgiving this week, uh, it, it popped into my mind. Uh, I heard somebody once say there are two types of people on this planet, those that love their in-laws and those that don't. Where What, what camp do you fall into there? <laughs>
1: that's, that's a great question, Jake, and um, I, I'm being 100% honest with this that I, I i fall in the camp that i do love my in-laws and, and no <laughs> no family is perfect obviously we know this every family has their quirks but i am extremely grateful for my in-laws and, and the uh the love and support and generosity that they've given to me and uh, i would be remiss if i didn't say how much i appreciate them this thanksgiving
0: Right, now, nah, Jake, were you, just were, checking, you, all. were you expecting a different answer? I, <laughs> no, I mean, is no. that what you were
2: fishing for? <laughs> no. I just like painting Tanner into awkward positions, that all, that's all. And I appreciate <laughs> you, his willingness it. to. <laughs> thank you, Tanner. Hey, hey, we, we do love having you on. And, and a happy Thanksgiving to you and your family.
1: We appreciate it, man. Oh, thank you. Appreciate it. always enjoy coming on. And happy Thanksgiving to you and your family. All
2: right. Thanks, Tanner. Sorry, Gordon. I'm am just teasing. You know that, right? I uh, uh, you you're a lucky one with that. Uh, well, with all your your uh, your sons-in-law.
0: Yeah, I I I have no complaints whatsoever. And uh, I'm
2: responsible for one of
0: those son in laws in a weird way. Uh, you uh, were encouraging uh, said future son-in-law to actually uh, gather up the uh, fortitude to move move forward uh, in that regard.
2: Exactly, and I love it that Kevin always used to try and take credit, even though he wasn't even there. Uh, in, in until he wasn't later. there.
1: But,
2: well, he he did the he wasn't there like at the table having the conversation. He was doing the like show, but he wasn't <laughs> uh, he wasn't there.
0: Well, wait, I'm I'm confused now. Where were you?
2: No, we were all at well, it was the old TGI Fridays yeah. for a Utah pre and post game show, and right. Eric, your son-in-law, but, was but, a tech. But, Right. Now, Eric and I were sitting at a table. I don't even right. uh, remember if, where Kevin was at the oh, time. Oh, really? So Kevin in...
0: I see, cause Kevin always convinced me that he, did, that he was encouraging uh, Eric to, uh, to, to get going. Let's yeah, see. he wasn't even part of the conversation. He, see, he can't
2: even give you the details, <laughs> get going a little bit. I'll tell you exactly how it happened. <laughs> so I owe you the great pleasure. That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. But Eric is a great guy, and that's why I say here. Mm-hmm. You're, you're lucky in the son-in-law department there, Gordo. I have, uh, uh, have been, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it.